Welcome to a new episode of No Ride Around. Harley just pointed his finger at me to see if I wanted to start this. We just talked about what we're going to do on today's episode. <laughs> but I can't replicate the, hello, everybody. Like, I can't do it. You have it down. And I, I think people right now that are listening are laughing because they're like, oh, yeah, dude, he, that's the Mr. Rogers. I needed the Mr. Rogers. It's hilarious because, like, last night I was thinking, of course it's a new episode. You just picked it because it, like, and so I don't know why I say it, but I say it. And I've been saying it for so long at this point that I can't go back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, I know you're in it. It's if Mr. Rogers ever stopped tying his shoes, the whole world would have imploded. Right. So, um, <laughs> but you pointed at me because right before we hit record, I said, yo, I'm going to basically steal this episode. Yeah. And uh, we have a lot of Justin stuff to cover, but it's all really cool shit and stuff that is super important, I think. Yeah. And I think so, you do too. No. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I do. And uh, my October was huge. Like my October was, I'm interviewing some people right now for next year's Dawn to Dust program, you know, mm-hmm. seeing if we're going to be a good fit or whatever. And you know, you always ask like, what event's important to you? What are you really looking forward to? My just October is a couple of people's whole year's worth of goal oriented stuff. It was nuts. Yeah. And I didn't really realize what I was getting myself into until it, I hit go and I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. Um, so Kind of want to dig through that a little bit because it's been the, the culmination of my season, which you and I have shared our seasons this year more than any year we've done previously. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for two reasons. One, you really stepped up to the plate this year and bit off a ton of stuff. And so by default, it put us together. Mm-hmm. But then also our relationship has even grown this year and how tightly we're working together with the coaching. So um this this is a nice, at least in my opinion, way to kind of bow tie our our fourth season of this podcast. Because yeah. we didn't have, you know, LaRuda being pivoted to the front of the year. We didn't have that crimson thread bow tie at the very end that we've been talking about all year long. For sure. Um, but I think what we have talked about is the, the journey of the bike racer, uh, namely this year you, the journey of the bike racer, and what does it look like to watch that person evolve? Yeah. And then, you know, to see, you know, I I listen at least a little bit to most of our episodes and like, I still feel bad about the beginning of the Colorado trail one where like (laughs) I unintentionally talked shit. Yeah. You slammed me, (laughs) but it wasn't an intentional slam at all. Uh, and I still feel bad about it. So there you go. Well, Uh, (laughs) well, thank you. Uh, that, but I know exactly what you're talking about, but I've, I have totally moved on. Um, but, uh, you know, we, throughout the season, we haven't really, uh, really the last episode was kind of the first time you mentioned chasing the national champion thing. Yeah. Um, and it was such a, I talk to you all the time and I can think of one or two other times throughout the year that we talked about that. Um, Meanwhile, I know all these other goals and the NUE and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it, it's kind of funny to watch you subtly behind the scenes planning and, and orchestrating and and then being like a week before you go like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm going to Maryland to try this thing. Yeah, I uh, 
I, it's awesome when you look back at your behaviors. I was just talking to Abby about this. We had a weird conversation about putting away laundry. And it wasn't an argument. Like we're, <laughs> we were not in a domestic situation, <laughs> but we were just talking about how, you know, as an adult, nobody's looking over your shoulder, whether you put your laundry away or not. Yeah. But how certain people are just wired that it's not done until it's all put away and sure. other people can let it hang a little bit. Yeah. Um, and if you look at just that simple behavior, you can actually learn a lot about how people are in many areas of their life, right? right? And so if we look at the behavior around how I approached nationals and how reluctant I was to talk about it and to make it a big thing, the real reason is because I was nervous as shit, like way nervous. Um, there's no secret on the podcast and, and with our network that – I've done this national ultra endurance series three years in a row now mm-hmm. and won the title three years in a row. Uh, the thing with the series though, is that I could do a bunch of events and it was just my top four finishes, mm-hmm. three in 2020, four and 21 and four and 22. And that, that gives a lot of flexibility because if you have a bad one, like, Oh, you can make it up, you know, um, with nationals, it's one race. And when it's over, like that's the result until the following year. And um, my relationship in racing nationals first started with the 2019 XC in Winter Park, and I got seventh. And then 2020, nothing, 2021. also, like, let's accept that, like, seventh on the national stage is good. It's good. Uh, But when you're winning other stuff. Yeah. Right? Totally. It's not the same. It's good. Not the same. 21, third place behind Mackie and Sam. Uh that one stung. Didn't get to race XC this year, but marathon was my goal anyway to the point that I pivoted my whole season. Uh, I went to the 100K distance in NUE. I started training shorter, more intense efforts and uh, and not doing as many big, epic, long things. All for pursuit of this one single race. And so I personally felt a lot of pressure, but also still deal with this well, am, am I the favorite? Like, should I win this? Like, I still have that doubt. Like, that doubt still exists. It would be foolish for me to ignore it and say, like, oh, yeah, no, I'm good. Like, I have that doubt. The insecurity lives in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does at the start of every race, but that one was big. And so <clears throat> I was probably a bit more candid and reserved about my talking about it uh, than I would have been if, if it was a race that didn't mean as much to me. Sure. Um, well, before we get to nationals, because I think that's a pretty exciting story, um, we have the, the last race that NUE to cover because not only was it a, a, a culmination of a season for you, um, the team had a pretty phenomenal turnout. Yeah, it's, it's, we'll get into when I talk about nationals because, um, typically when I finish an event, I go, well, what's next? Um, and I'm not, I'm not sitting there right now, but if I tried to explore that, it goes back to how I felt at Big Bear for the final NUE and, and what we did as a team. And that was uh, the second weekend in October, so mm-hmm. October 8th. There were so many of us there. The it amount of no ride-around jerseys. I didn't realize it until all those podium picks started coming through. I didn't understand how many people had gone. Yeah. It was huge. Dude, it was, it was super cool. And if you rewind back to a bunch of – podcast episodes ago to one of, I think the finish of our third season, we talked about, well, the sender event should be Big Bear because I talked about how cool it was and the mm-hmm. venue and how exciting it was. And some people hung on to that. And so you had, you had a good 
group out there. Yeah. And um, so with that said, final race of the NUE series, it was my fourth one. So I had to, I had to finish it. Uh, I didn't have a lot of competition. So it was, it was more of just go out and do the thing um, to the point that I was a little bit more lax on my pre-race rituals. I, like I didn't get so specific that week leading into it. I wasn't like mad about what we needed to do. I just actually was pretty chill about it. And naturally the night before race day, that changes. And I go back to, you know, <laughs> the typical pre-race mode, but yeah. you know, I had Abby with me. She was racing the 75 K uh, women's race. And so, which I didn't even know that that was the thing until, until I saw her post-race picture. Dude, a post-race picture of her on, on the, the women's open open podium with a big giant check. <laughs> the big in her check. Hand. That was hilarious that they she did got the paid, giant dude. checks. <laughs> dude, she did a happy Gilmore giant check <laughs> for two hundred dollars. <laughs> um, hey, I just the total off topic. Are those dry erase and they just redo three of them for every? You know, I don't know. I should have actually investigated that because I'm like, they can't have thirty eight <clears throat> giant checks you just know, laying around. Yeah, they'll. And those things are expensive to produce because yeah. those foam courts what we used at yeah. the gym for the juice menus. Yeah, not you cheap. Know, that's a great question. Yeah. I don't really know. <laughs> so, sorry, I just I popped into my head. That's what we call invasive thoughts. <laughs> no, I love it. You should have seen Abby trying to fold it up and put it in her little wallet. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to keep it. Um, but yeah, she got paid that day, which was cool. So, so yeah, you had hers. She did 75K. So Abby did 75K, third place women's open. Chad did 75K open. Men's. One, men's won the race. No, third. not one. Thir- third place. Sorry, third. I did 75K single speed, won the race. Um, I was only a few spots behind Chad. I think I was like seventh over or yeah. eighth overall. We um, had Amir. Amir, men's masters, first, 100K, first, first place. Yep. Colin Donovan, men's masters, the 100K, and got fifth place, got his podium. Yep. And I don't know the name of the guy, but if you guys want to know how to act at a race, technic or on the day of the race, Colin thought he had gotten sixth. Right. Um, and a couple of weeks later, the guy who got fifth, which you know they run the podiums five deep um, up there, uh, reached out to Colin and let him know that he had made a mistake, cut the course, he had notified the NUE officials, and that Colin had actually gotten the the podium spot. Um, the guy changed his Strava title for that day, said, I didn't win. I DNF'd. He added Colin. Like that's how you act. It was, it was an unbelievable amount of integrity yeah. that that guy had, because it's one thing if you catch it like the day of the race, mm-hmm. you know, if you catch it, that's what Ryan Bennett did that at yep. Park City point to point again, high integrity move. But he caught it like in like in the race, you know. So he knew right away. This guy caught it days later mm-hmm. when he was looking at Estrava, and he goes, "This seems weird." Um, at that point, it's kind of like, you know, you eat something at the grocery store and you forget to pay for the wrapper. <laughs> like if you're already home, you don't drive back to the grocery store. Right. This dude drove back to the grocery store in a different state. <laughs> in a different <laughs> state. So very very upstanding. And then Colin got it was a big year goal for him, and Colin ended up with this with this podium in a Masters race. Uh, which was awesome. And and then as it's happened for the poor kid, man, I feel terrible for him. Elander off the front, winning the race, and then blows up another wheel. I, I'm gonna do this for him because he can't, uh, because he does he does work for Trek. Yeah. But 
The poor kids destroyed eight Bontrager carbon rims this year. Eight. I'm going to chalk 50% of it. To low pressure. To, to low pressure. 25% of it to just bad luck. And 25% of it to make a better rim. So for the, to their defense, so I'm, I have, you have those rims. I have those rims on, on one bike and beat the crap out of it. And I weigh, way more than Elander, uh, haven't had issues, but I'm also not running their lightest of lightest. Right. And he's got the like XX one, yeah, whatever the, the they call one it, triple get. X, whatever. Yeah. They and, uh, there's, again, we've talked about it on this, on this podcast, like there is a point between efficiency and lightness and durability. And there's a line and sometimes brands walk a little too far to the lightness line. Yeah. And then this is what, you know, this is what happens, but poor dude blows up the wheel and uh, it has to has to pull from the race, but another cool move stayed at his van at his dad or his dad's van, partway through the course and cheered the rest of the no rider on people as they came by that turn. Yeah. Us all seeing, I mean, I even offered him my bike. Yeah, which I was really glad he said no because yeah. uh, I didn't <laughs> <laughs> want him to have it. Um, but but yeah, a bummer friend. But you know, huge team presence. Our team dinners were awesome. We had team coffees that were awesome. It was such a good team environment that Amir's wife, Debbie, and Ryan's girlfriend, Tor, both... uh, Oh, she just decided to race. They both decided to race, right? Well, they didn't really decide. It kind of went down like this. Friday, we're getting coffee, Friday morning. (laughs) And I go, guys, I got an idea. And I talked about us running jet skis. Yeah, Uh, I remember. Yeah. You know, we were going to do that. And that didn't come to fruition. But I said to Debbie, I go, you're here. Like, you should do this. There's a 30K option. You should do this. And she rides. And she rides. She just doesn't ride anything technical. Literally, like, a street curb would be technical for her. And Amir was like, you know, I don't know if she'll like the rocks. And I go, hey, just walk what you don't like. You'll be fine. So as we're sitting at at coffee Friday morning, I whipped out my phone. And registration was getting ready to close, like, in an hour or something online. And I just registered Debbie. So (laughs) she, like... She was like, yeah, I think. And I was like, cool, you registered. We call that being voluntold. (laughs) (laughs) And then fast forward, packet pickups like 3 p.m. And everyone's getting their stuff. And so Debbie picks up hers for the 30K. And I look at Tori and I'm like, dude, I mean, Debbie's doing it. And she's like, "Uh," and I go, I bet you we could get you a bike. She's like, "Uh," and I'm like, let me see. So I talked to the race director who also owns the bike shop there and uh, Bear Valley Bikes. And he's like, yeah, dude, I got a bike for us you can use. I go, Tor. So she got registered. So we had 100% group participation. That's wild. Even from those that didn't come out there doing it. She did it on a borrowed bike, flat pedals, uh, borrowed helmet, and a size too big of padded shorts that were also borrowed, which yeah. is gross. I don't want to talk anymore about that. Um, and uh, I just, incidentally, you guys can't see me. I just shrugged my shoulders. Like, what's the big deal? Yeah. <laughs> Vile. <laughs> Like, uh, I don't care. Because I know what I do to my bibs. So um, everyone did the race. And I, you know, I'll fast forward. The results were awesome. You know, open podiums. Almost everyone was on a podium. Actually, everyone who finished was on a podium. And the 30Ks were just grand fondos. So they were out for a good time. The gla- They had a ball. So we all end up at this uh, poke bowl place for dinner after the race. And we just had this massive table. A couple of Amir's uh, Israeli friends joined us. Um, Elander's dad was with us. And then the whole group of everyone did, that did the event. And I looked to my left and my right, and there's you know 15 people. 
and we all were just on super high bike stoke. Yeah. And I think that my season could have ended right there. And I would have felt like as you and I captaining this ship, I would have felt super fulfilled about what we've set out to do. It Mm. was that cool. Like there literally wasn't anything bad about the whole thing. Um, And I think everyone had a ball. Yeah. So. Well, and and, you know, not for nothing, the thing that, you know, one of the things that you you and I have discussed in the latter part of this year is this growing national presence of us. Right. And that just kind of locks it in there. They had a list of all the teams at, uh, at the Grizzly, you know, Fondo bike fest, whatever they wanted to call it. Um, Bear Valley bikes had the most race participants on the mm-hmm. team. 12. Mm-hmm. We had 10. Yeah. And so that's this, the local team, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. the local team that sponsors the race. Right. Um, they better. It's their team. <laughs> and we were, ju- and then the next, the next one down was like three or something. Yeah. So like we came strong to that mm-hmm. and it was, it was really cool to see all of us there and, and as a group at the finish line, like, cause we, as we, per we do, everyone's at the finish line for everyone's finish. And it was, it was, it was a hell of a spectacle. And then to all be on podiums and then we all win raffle stuff. Like mm-hmm. we really walked away sweeping it. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that was, it was freaking awesome. So, and then most importantly, you got your marathon title. Yeah. Yeah. Got the in- was it the marathon, not yeah. the endurance, the marathon. Yeah. Got the marathon title for the NUE, um, third year in a row, went undefeated was really cool and uh ended up with the award to panama that i'd got the previous year that crustalismo crustalismo yeah crossing the the isthmus um but with elander's broken wheel that pulled him out of contention to grab the first place finish for the men's open nue title which was a goal of his for the season and uh he ended up second which not for nothing, second still gets paid. He got a check in the mail. He got, the NUE does an unbelievable job with prizes. Like, you know, other races you get like a trinket. You know, you get cash money when you win the NUE, both races and then the the series. So he still got paid, but he didn't have the Panama trip. And uh, the the guy was packed for it. So when he went out to Big Bear, he flew with us. Yeah, but met up with his dad. He had gear for Panama and gear for not for Panama. Like he was, he was all in. So it came down to it and Panama was the following weekend. So it was like six days later, you had to get on a flight, which was not booked at the time. Right. And, you know, I looked at the award and I looked at my enjoyment of it. I loved it last year. Got to win the race, took me to Columbia, got to do that race. Like it was really cool. Abby came with me. We celebrated our anniversary out there. It was our 10 year anniversary. Uh, It was really cool. She said she's not too keen on going to Panama again. So we were going to spend our 11-year anniversary separate. And uh, she was like, she was cool with that. We're, we don't get too hung up on that stuff. Um, but it felt weird. Didn't feel like the right thing to do. What felt like the right thing to do was look at this 20-year-old young buck who's been breaking wheels like it's freaking uh, Kit Kat bars. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And say, hey, dude, take the Panama trip. And so that's what we did. Yeah. And so not only did Elander take the trip and go to Panama, he went down there with Chase Coggy, who won the single speed title for NUE. Who also just did something really ridiculous in Moab. Did a triple white rim. One day, or one continuous one, ride. Yeah, one, one, took yeah. more than 24 hours, but one continuous ride. Yeah. Three white rims. 300 miles. Lunatic. 
if he creates a segment out of that and sets it as an FKT, I bet nobody chases it. <laughs> like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> uh, we're going to have to talk about that because I watched both those movies last night. Uh, the Climbing of Hole Enchilada and then Hannah's uh, and FKT. Hannah yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so Elander took it. Elander booked a flight and he makes his way down to Panama. This all happened over the course of this damn Poke Bowl dinner. So he must have been riding the same high I was. Yeah. Um, Which is saying something for a DNF. In an, right. important, in, an, in an important race. Totally. Yeah, he. I'll tell you what, for as much devastation as those DNFs can be, because I know they, they sting, and they sting yeah. for years, yeah. he's got like golden retriever like I memory. I saw it this past weekend. Just move, yeah, he did it again. He just moves on, yeah. um, which is cool. You know, you, you can't train that. Uh, I think you got to have that, because yeah. you're in high-stakes stuff. Stuff's going to go wrong. You, you can't let it just ruin you, right? Right. But, I mean... Most of us take 24 hours of being ruined. He doesn't take 24 minutes. No. It's, like, <laughs> it's unreal. So he went down there, and uh, freak kid grabbed a podium there, too. Yep. Um, took, After passing out on the side of the road. Yeah, took second place in Cruz de Lismo. Literally passed out on the bike, woke up on the ground, was out for like a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, which is a whole podcast episode in and of itself, probably. But uh, October had been nuts. Big Bear kicked it off. Panama for those guys was cool. Abby and I celebrated our anniversary here in Denver the way a bike couple does. I said, hey, you want to get on our Linus three-speed, like, I don't know if it's a commuter or a cruiser. You sell them. City bike. It's a city bike. Is that what it's called? Sure. All right, cool. Three-speed city bikes. we're calling it. Do you want to just go fart around and spend the day together? She goes, that sounds awesome. Yeah. I don't think she realized we were going to do 48 miles on city bikes. If you spread it out over the course of an entire day with lunch and a coffee break and three dinner co- and a, three coffee breaks, three was, coffee breaks, a couple three of coffee meals. breaks, there was a drag brunch in there, yeah. uh, which was amazing. Um, You're basically refueling every stop. Yeah. <laughs> you know what doesn't refuel? Your ass on a city no, bike. Like, so not. mine has a nice Brooks saddle. Hers <laughs> has whatever saddle Linus gives you. Yeah. Um, so we're at home, like we're riding home the last few miles in a headwind along E470. So yeah. not. Not cruising through Wash Park, right? Yeah. And uh, it's actually like a six and a half mile segment. <laughs> and it's just into the wind on four side. But we had that great weekend. And then, um, but then things got real for me. Yeah. It's time to go. It's time to go. Time to go to Maryland. Time to go to Nationals. And I see you on Tuesday that I, week. I think so. You, I think I wouldn't have wanted to see you a day later that week. Because you were like meth head itchy. Yeah. Like you were just like looking for shit to do. Bro, so this season, uh, and I haven't really covered this a lot either, but I did something different this year than I have done any of the previous race years for race prep. And that's a hard rule, three days, no pedaling. Yeah. Some of them were four days this year. But three days, no pedaling. And for nationals, I took four. I took four days of not riding a bike, which... If you look, I'm over 600 hours this year. Like I have a silly amount of hours on the bike and to go three or four days and not pedal by day two, I'm so, so itchy. Yeah. But I know like my, my logic brain knows what I'm doing. Yeah. But my lizard brain is ready to eat somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I think I saw you maybe the second day or first, first day, maybe second day. day. Yeah. Yeah. You, I wouldn't say you were like caged animal status yet. But 
the the walls were like closing in. They were yeah, they were like I was sentenced to <laughs> yeah. it. I knew it was I knew the cage that was coming. And yeah. so but I stung, I hung in it. Um and I didn't ride that week, Monday through Thursday. I did one ride on Friday. And then I flew out Saturday morning to Mar- or to DC. I got in about 1.30 in the afternoon, rent a car, whatever, drive to Frederick. It's like 3.30, 4 o'clock. And then packet pickup and boom, the race. I built my bike at packet pickup and the racer meeting. And then the next morning was the race. So it was an airstrike mission. And I had a flight booked Sunday night. The race is Sunday. I had a flight booked Sunday night to come back. So, I mean, I was in town for 36 hours with one mission. So was the, because part of me thinks with something like that, you would almost want to get in a day early and be there and chill and not have this frenetic feeling. So was it, yeah. was it, was the thought process for you about having it be such a condensed timeline? Just that, like it's a mission. I'm here for one purpose and one purpose only get in, get, get in, do my thing, get out. Was that, cause I could see applying either or. Yeah. So I build out my calendar for each year, like the year in advance. So like right now my calendar is built out for next year. Mm-hmm. And when I did this, knowing I was going to race nationals and knowing when it was, I actually booked to be there the whole week. I was going to be in Frederick for the entire week, starting the Monday and then the races on Sunday so that I could ride the course, lap the course, ride the course, lap the course, rest. And as I played that out, I go, well, I'm probably going to ride Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but then I'll take off Thursday, Friday, Saturday to recover. Then I'm just in Frederick, Maryland, like by myself in a hotel room for three days. Like that doesn't sound fun. So I was like, well, maybe I could just do, you know, I have all that recovery stuff at home. It'd be more convenient, but I want to know the course. And this is where the, the biggest advantage I had in winning the national championship this year was by condensing the trip for the race to just that quick in and out. I knew I needed to understand what I was going to do. So five weeks before nationals, I flew to Maryland solo and spent two and a half days training on the course. Um, in that training block, I learned what the trail was like, what the conditions were like, what I needed to change, which was a few things. And I learned so much and then I also learned to hate the course because it is just <laughs> like chunky, fo- you know, they call it a, you know, we usually have a trail with a rock garden. That was a rock garden with a little bit of trail, right? Of the 32 mile course, there's two laps. I would say maybe five or six miles of it were on trail. The rest of it was just a rock garden. I mean, mm. full on and not like Colorado rock, not slick rock, not big rock, not slab rock, but just like m- chunky, slatty hard edge, just riverbed. Yeah. Slice your tire type stuff. Slice your tire and rattle your teeth out of your skull. Mm -hmm. And so I left after the training weekend and I was pretty demoralized because my average speed was something like 8.4 miles an hour. And to win, it was going to have to be over 10. And I was like, I'm, I'm woefully underpowered. Um, it was way steeper when it was steeper and it was steep and rocky. And then it was bumpy and my hands were going numb and I had bottles ejecting like, it, it was not a good time. Like I came back feeling pretty low about my skill set and about my ability to go win this national title. Um, I started thinking things like these guys that live out here, they have the experience. Like they're, you know, you get in your head, right? You start spiraling. And I, I started to lose confidence in what I was going to do. So I came back and I trained and I applied what I learned. 
I added a Tannis insert to my rear. I chunked up my grips. I dropped my air pressure on my fork. I put on some beefier tires. I elected to forego all bottles and just use a pack. And I changed my gear on my single speed, made it easier. I made all those adjustments just on that training ride. So when I went out and did the airstrike mission, it was because I had already learned what I learned. I knew how to apply my new knowledge. I had the fitness. I have the ability. I have the preparation. Like I'm supremely confident in it being a realistic shot for me to win a title. Anything can happen, but I'm supremely confident that I understand what I'm going to do. And so, yes, as robotic as you made that sound, that's how I was when I flew out there. Right. Dialed in. Um, And that's really how the race went from the start. Um, It's really cool to be first call up. So I was first call up, which is awesome. Is that based off of USAC points? Yeah, USAC points. Okay, and you get USAC points from NUEs or no? Like I've how'd got, you how'd you have? Uh, yeah, I the, guess I don't know what races are, are yeah, USAC so races that you do. Palo Duro Canyon last year was a USAC race. Okay, Na- uh, my nationals twenty one, nationals nineteen points. I think floated. They did a weird float. They did like a weird, weird float thing. Yeah, um, and there's a there were a couple other like goofy ones in there that I've like just one off races that okay. had USAC points. Yeah, I mean there's a lot of little ones. Like you could go I think there's three races here that get you USAC points. Yeah. Uh, I think the bear gets USAC points, I think Fangdango and then so like they're not impossible to get. Right. They're not impossible to get. And uh so yeah, so they'd rolled over and it gave me yeah, it gave me a first call up, which was cool. Yeah. Um but you know, when I pulled up to the race venue, and it was a later race start, it was like 9.40 in the, in the morning. When I pulled up to the race venue, I start to see other single speeders. Uh, they're coming up and they know, they know my name, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I'm in our kit. It's pretty obvious to see. But they know my name, and I started realizing, like, oh, like, everyone's looking at the race roster, and the target is on me for who you're going to try to beat. And there was this young kid, which you don't see a lot in the single speed field. Or a marathon, really. Or a marathon, it's, it's yeah. A, it's changing, a lot, but yeah. Dude, this, this young kid, he's, he was 16 and uh, 17, came up to me, knew me by name, and uh, I was like, immediately, I'm like, oh my God, this kid's going to win the title. This kid is on, he's on. <laughs> he weighs nothing. He weighs nothing. He was on a like a Trek Pro Cal, so the hardtail. Uh-huh. Um, stupid light. I think he might have had a lefty on there. Like everything about it was light, and then he's light. And then I was watching his warm-ups and I'm like, oh my gosh, this kid. So he comes up and we start chatting, and I'm just trying to play like old school cool. Like cool guy. You know? Yeah, cool guy, chat, chat. And I'm like, son of a crap. You know, yeah. where did this kid come from? <laughs> um so he was there and his parents were there supporting him, and they were parked near me. And I was using this little pavement loop where I parked as my openers to warm up for the race. And so his parents were there, and then every now and again, he would be with his parents because he was doing his warm-up too. So I made it a point that all my massive openers were done right in front of their vehicle. So, so all <laughs> Biggest they, effort. Yeah, so all they see is this dude like, oh, that's kind of the favorite, and then I'm just nuking this hill. Yeah. Um, so I was trying to pull out the stops right away. Yeah. Get to the start line. We're all crowded up, and you know, I'm still chatting with this kid. He's, he's super cool. And I was like, you know, so uh, get your eyes on anybody out here, you know? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you. you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, fair enough. Uh, fair enough. Um, it's it's wild what your brain can do as you go through all that stuff. And I'm learning more and more as 
these years stack up to just crave the start. Because once it starts, it's all going to go away, right? You're just going to do what you're trained to do, go out and ride hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when, when the race finally started, that's what I got to do. And jumped off the front. They crowd us up with the 50 to 55 uh, group as well. So there's like a total of, you know, 35, 38 people that went off. So you have this big pack going down this road for about a mile. And then it dumps into double track, dumps into single track. And by the time we get to the double track, I'm actually third single speed wheel. And we get to the single track and I know I got to move because it's going to single up quick. And so I pop and I get to first wheel single speed, but behind about eight geared guys. And uh, it starts to get real tight and real rocky real quick, twisty and all these things. And these guys, some of them are doing great. Some of them are slipping and sliding. So then I'm calling out the pass and I'm making the pass. And in this pack style riding, you know, and I've learned this this year with doing a shorter distance versus the 100 mile. 100 mile, you got a lot of time. So just relax, right? You're going to get your opportunity. 100K, you just have you know, almost half the opportunity, 40% less time. So it's really important to get into position. And I look now at other racers as simply being obstacles for me to put in the path of my competitors. So I'm like, I'm going to pass these guys, even if it means launching over a rock through a tree, like whatever. They need more obstacles. So I start doing this. One, two, three racers. On your left, four. And I'm burning matches to make these moves that are pretty intense. And there's a guy on my wheel. I don't know who he is. I don't know if he's single speeder or not because what's the rule with bike racing? Just don't get past. Well, or don't look behind you. Don't look behind you. Yeah. You can't look behind you. You can't give away that mental yeah. benefit to anyone. Yeah. So I'm making all these moves and this guy's still on my wheel. And it gets to the f- longest descent of the course and I put it in, and I'm like, there's no way. I mean, I brought the Super Caliber for this reason. I I basically bought that bike for this race. So I got a lot invested yeah, in this. Yeah. And the dude is stuck to me like a piece of gum on my shoe. Yeah. Son of a bitch. And so I'm listening to hearing to hear for his shifts, and there's no shifts. So I know he's a single-speed dude. Come to find out his name is John Donnelly. He's a coach with Dirt Camp Devo. Um, they have a brilliantly fast team in the juniors uh, – categories and this dude's fat he lives in brevard if you don't live in colorado that's the other place you live in brevard right the top four teams in the country for mountain biking colleges two are in colorado and two are in that area of north carolina yeah those guys are studs so he's on my wheel and i'm figuring out how do i get around how do i get this guy off of me right how do i get rid of this dude and so i start putting in on the technical climbing he's right there i'm listening to when he's putting like because then you get become queuing in on everything. I'm listening to his breathing. I'm listening to everything. I'm packing my lungs. I'm like, so, hey, man, yeah, this is pretty fun in the single speed, huh? Yeah, it's great. And he seems to be holding his own, not hesitating. Son of a bitch. We get next into the longest climb of the course, and it's chunky and it's nasty, and it's the reason I brought a smaller gear because I had to stand up virtually my entire pre-ride trip. And so I'm able to sit down and power through some of this chunder and he's with me, and we start to come up on more geared guys. And I knew at that point, I go, I don't know where his weakness is. Because I thought it was the descent, and yet he's with me. This bike doesn't climb as well as my my lighter bike, so am I going to have to do it on the climb? And this is what I'm balancing, trying to figure out. I'm like, well, let's see what he's got. So I just buried myself. You don't see a lot of red on my MyZone. I went red. And I buried myself past three guys on steep technical climbing and, uh, and paid the price. Like I was hurting to do it. 
And it gave me about a 10, 10 feet gap on John. And that 10 feet gap turned into like a 15 foot gap, a 20 foot gap. And then I said, this is the moment. And I just put it all into it. And I just buried myself the rest of that climb. There's a short road crossing and you're back into then flat single track called knuckle breaker, just twisty. And I got there and never let off all the gas and never saw him the rest of the race. But I knew that I wasn't that much better than him. Right. The margin is tight, right? Like the- I may not have been any better than him. Right. I just attacked in one spot and it worked out. And I only attacked there because my moves elsewhere weren't working. And I needed to see where the gap was. And so I created it. I kept it. I never looked back, but I always knew he was breathing down my back. And so uh, that was the race. Mm-hmm. This happened about 45 minutes into the race. And, uh, you know, it took me three hours in change, like I think 305 or so to do, to do the event. And so for two hours and 15 minutes, I just knew that a dude as hungry as me. You had Jason Voorhees <laughs> chasing you totally. down in the forest. <laughs> totally. And by the time I finished the first lap and I got into the second lap, I'm now starting to have that feeling like I might do this. You know, I, this, this might happen. And then I start balancing riding really hard with don't mess up. Right. Because right. my lead is all cocky. Yeah. And, yeah. Or, or like don't slow down to a point where you're out of your rhythm. Yeah. And then you do a stupid crash and you blow a wheel or because I knew I wasn't more, I wasn't a flat tire ahead of this dude. Sure. You know what I mean? Um, I probably wasn't even like an endo crash ahead of this dude. And so I had to really manage going really hard, but being really clean. Yeah. And I learned something on that second lap that I didn't learn on the pre-ride, which was that course as rocky and as chunky as it was at race pace. It was actually pretty smooth. Smooth it out. Yeah, it's like amazing at, what momentum does. Dude, I'm telling you, at 8.4 mile an hour average pace yeah. was my pre ride, and that course beat me up so much I never wanted to go back there. Right. At a 10 mile an hour pace, which is what my race pace was, I was like, "What happened to all the rocks?" Like, Tannis is good. It yeah. ain't that good. Yeah. Like this little bit of air pressure is good. It ain't that good. Uh, it's just what speed does, mm-hmm. you know. Which goes back to, it kind of sounds ignorant, but if if you're not riding, go faster. Yeah. And uh, and so that's how I went for the rest of the lap, man. And it wasn't towards the end that I started to really realize, like, I'm going to win. I'm going to win this national championship. Yeah. Which is, it's something you can't, like, not for nothing. I, I've I've won, I won the Telluride 50. There were three dudes in it. Yeah. Right? It was an obscure race, and Telluride's hard to get to. Right? Um, I won Desert Rats. 50K in May in Fruta. Winning things, winning things that are just one-off events or what, it's just different, dude. This is a USA cycling. Yeah. Stars and stripes, like recognize, rest of, rest of your life, you can, you can say, I, I won this thing. And the gravity of that really started to settle on me as I was finishing the second lap and uh, motivated me to, to kind of push to the finish line. Worth, worth 10 extra watts. But yeah, right. <laughs> um, but also I had just like a real like calming understanding that good stuff is rewarded. Yeah. Commitment is rewarded. Hard work is rewarded. And 
that's how I felt as I crossed the finish line. I just felt so supremely rewarded for everything that I've invested into this, into this pursuit and the, the satisfaction, the completion, the fulfillment, like all of that stuff is, it's, it's unspeakable how, how it felt to finally cross that line. That's awesome, man. In case anybody didn't catch it, we now have a national champion (laughs) sitting here. (laughs) Uh, you said everything except for the part where you said I won. Yeah, I won. <laughs> I won and I and I sat there and I didn't you know, I cleaned um I cleaned that horse thief bench out in Fruta mm-hmm. like last year and I jumped off the bike and was started screaming and hooting and hollering like a lunatic. Um I've like fist pumped when I've won races that like really I came across, I just sat on the top two and, and I sat there and then I didn't like break down into tears or anything. I just sat there and I was like is warm inside and out as I could possibly right. have ever been. Yeah. Sometimes the, the scope of something is so big. Like, yeah. <laughs> big emotion doesn't necessarily match it. Yeah. It was, and it wasn't an ego to it with it either. It wasn't like I came across and was like, all I do is win, 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 yeah, no matter so- what. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> uh, I mean, I have played that at finish lines before. Yeah. I mean- uh, yeah. It was, there was, I haven't thought once, are you going to do it again next year? I haven't thought once, like, what's next? I I just sat there and was warm, and yeah. I'm, I'm still feeling that warmth today. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I'm so, uh, like, beyond happy for you just to – especially watching the, you know, XC Nationals last year and just knowing, again, like, getting third step at Nationals is good but it's not what you went there for, right? you know? And so I'm immensely proud of you. I'm super happy for you. I think it's awesome. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, really have anything else to contribute to that. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I, I took some pictures afterwards, not at the finish line, but, uh, and I never shared them because I felt like it, it did diminish what I had accomplished, but, you know, I got done and the next thing I ate was, uh, Pumpkin spice Lynn and Larry's complete cookie with some almond butter on top. <laughs> nice. And an Americano. That sounds amazing. It was so good. And then the next thing I ate was like some vegan chili uh taco thing at like some vegan hipster restaurant. Yeah. And uh I took pictures of it because I was gonna send it to you guys in Dawn to Dusk and be like, what do you do after you win a national championship? Eat the food that allows you to train tomorrow. Yeah. Um because that's how it felt too. It, it was also as much as I feel like really completed about it. Uh, it also, I only got to this because I've been committed to looking forward and always continuing to say like, you know, what can I keep doing to better myself both mm-hmm. as a bike racer, but as a person and it's the work. It, nobody goes and wins nationals on a whim. Nobody goes and gets that type of, that type of accolade because like, Oh, I just had a good day. Like it's commitment. It's flying out there five weeks earlier. It's buying a specific bike for it. It's wedging out the time to know what I need to train for training, changing disciplines for race disciplines. Like, right. And so it's the work that was rewarded. And so I actually got, I'm so motivated to continue the work. Yeah. So it's awesome. And you said you haven't thought about going back and defending, but that honestly, like seriously, it's, I know it's so out of character for me. Yeah. Um, I haven't looked at anything. Huh. You know, I don't know where it's going to be, right? right. It's going to change locations. I don't know where it's going to be. I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't have any 
some of us on the team keep using this term unfinished business. Yeah. Right. I don't have any, even though it would be finished this, I don't have any weird feelings about what's it's, it's insane, dude. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how I'm sitting here. I did 55 miles on the road bike yesterday, like good, solid, just endurance tempo work. And, uh, and I'm still doing the work, but not because I'm like, God defend the crown. Like I, yeah. It's the it's the weirdest level of fulfillment. I don't huh. get it. I'd be interested to see how that part evolves for next year. I mean, I'm sure that's going to change. I know. I, I I mean, it definitely is. And I mean, really, it, it was a big thing. Is a big thing. And I think relative to the size of of the event, it's okay to to sit, just sit in it with satisfaction for a while. Yeah. I only ask is because you're you, and typically. The plan has already been hatched. Okay, fine. fine. You peeled the layer <laughs> just long enough. The one thing I have looked up already was, uh, so I looked up single speed world championships, sure. and they were in Belgium this year mm-hmm. in September. Mm-hmm. And so I did sign up on the list to be notified for when they mark it for next year. Sure. Um, it's not a sanctioned. So right, it's the, the, the that, that's the only one, the one where you get the tattoo. Yeah, it's the yeah. one you get the tattoo. Yeah, and I've looked at yes, I've looked at the last ten years of results, and I know all the Americans that mm-hmm. have won it, and yeah. and I looked at all the stuff. But the Americans that won it won it because not because, but they won it when the venue was their hometown. So Carl Decker right. is in California. They hosted single speed world championships. It was at it was where he lives in California. He won. Payson won it in 2018. Well, it was hosted in Payson's hometown. Um, that's like Durango, right? Yeah, it was, in, so. it was in Durango. Um, it doesn't look like that's where it's coming back. It's not. It doesn't look like it's coming back. One other guy won it in the from the U.S. He lives in Bend, Oregon. It was in Bend, Oregon, but they've been in like Czech. They're Belgium. all over. They're all over now. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I'm, I'm I'm paying attention to what that is, and would I get the tattoo? I, yeah, not Mike Tyson on my jaw, but I'm definitely getting the tattoo. Yeah, I don't think you're allowed to not get the tattoo. No, you get the tattoo or a brand. Yeah, they, you can choose. It's a I'd brand go for or the tattoo. I mean, definitely go for a tattoo. <laughs> I, I know that pain. Yeah. So yes, I've looked at that. Yeah, I think. Well, because I mean, again, to to really lock in the gravity of of a national title, an elite national title, right? Like, um. Typically, the next step, the people who represent their countries in world championship races, it's always the national champion in the 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 discipline, and then it's, uh, you know, then it's selected riders based right. on points and, and merit and all that sort of stuff. But it's always the national champion that goes to UCI World Championships, whether it's XCO or Road or whatever the case is. Right. So that's. The gravity. I mean, you're that's rarefied air, right? Like rarefied air, dude. It's, yeah. <laughs> like, like I was, I kind of use that to explain it to my family. Um, part of the reason I think the USAC title meant meant so much was the NUE title. I think is harder in the sense that you have to do more, you commit more, uh-huh. travel, events, training. You have to have more things go right more times. It's yep. four races. I think it's. I think it requires more, but there's a greater margin of error. But elephant in the room, it does not carry the prestige or the panache that a USA cycling title holds. And so everybody knows what national champion is, but 
not everybody, even in the cycling realm, will know what an NUE title is. No, you have to kind of explain it a little bit. And so my family got this text that, you know, that I, that I'd won and my grandma's like, I thought you already were a national champ. I'm like, no, that was like, <laughs> like a national like, series. You know, like, so yeah, I noticed like in other areas, you have to like walk it back. And this was such a definitive thing that mm-hmm. to explain it, I said, well, grandma, I get to go and compete internationally as the U.S. champ. Yeah. And she's like, oh, that like everyone can understand that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've looked at that for sure. Yeah. It's- Incidentally, I'll, I, I'm, I, you need a team mechanic. So I'm going wherever that is. <laughs> yeah, you have to come. <laughs> that sounds way too fun. Right? Uh, so we talked about the airstrike of nationals. Yeah. Um, for me, guys, that's really like the, that's the buttoned up part of it. Not just the year, but since we've started this podcast, I have started single speed racing. And then now we're here. And while it may have seemed like a lot of miles in between, it's pretty cool what can be accomplished in just a few years. Like when you really understand like what you're, you want to do and then you look at your capabilities, like, you know, it's why I love coaching because I'm not gifted genetically to do this thing, right? It's just, it's work. And so I love the opportunity to say, see, it can be done. Um, I went from jack of all trades, pretty good at everything to just focusing on one thing and having to sacrifice a lot to get there, having to sacrifice giving up certain friends and certain hobbies and behaviors and all of these things to go for one deal. And I'll tell you, uh, juice is definitely worth the squeeze. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> so, That's awesome. <laughs> um, so then you followed that up with... Bike uh, trip to Guatemala. Bike trip to Guatemala. Basically the exact opposite. Oh my gosh! The baggy clothes, long travel bikes, squish. probably some some shuttle services, shuttles, yeah, all, yeah, all all <laughs> of the opposites of single speed marathon to shuttle riding in Guatemala. Now this trip was booked as a surprise to Abby mm. for our anniversary, and the way everything shook out, it just so happened that we were we left. I got back from Nationals Sunday night, late, like midnight, one a.m. And we flew out Wednesday morning for Guatemala. So we were going no matter what. God, I'm so glad I won. <laughs> You'd have been a bad travel companion. I thought about that. I was like, how do I, how would I get past this? And the, and the truth is faking it would be the only way. Like I'm yeah. a decent actor. Yeah. Um, it would be faking it. But God, I'm so happy I won because we went to Guatemala. And dude, I did not, I, it was, whatever happens, happens. I, it was a trip booked out of this guiding service, MTB Guatemala. The owner's a former pro, XC pro. He raced for six years in Latin America as a pro representing the U.S. Won a ton of stuff, like super accomplished rider, and then opened up this guiding service to show people the country of Guatemala via enduro mountain biking. So he's got a van and a big off-road truck, and they shuttle your bikes up. And But everything was taken care of. Um, not a terribly cheap trip, so it was an investment. But... From the moment we landed, unlike any trip that you've even been on with me, mm-hmm. I didn't plan anything. And I really just sat back and enjoyed the crap out of that. Nice. Um, yeah, because you're, I mean, with Costa Rica, I mean, you had, you were the guide. You were the right. guide. Right? I was the guide. Like, I'm always the guide. Right. Like, no matter where we go, like, and partly because I'm an asshole and I like to be in charge of the things that I'm doing. Um, and, but also because most guided, products 
have so much like just twiddle thumbs time. And I always want to soak the maximum out of, like we were just talking about before we started. Like I'm going to soak the maximum out of every day's trip, even at my own peril. Like if it means drinking energy drinks and driving 14 straight hours, <laughs> so be it. Uh, but this one, I sat back and just and just let it come and got to just hang out with Abby and and it was freaking awesome. Yeah. Yes, I would have ridden more if I had the opportunity. I would have ridden with less stops. I wouldn't have done like every single overlook. Like if you've seen a volcano explode once, you've seen a yeah. volcano explode. Don't need to stop every hundred time. times. I mean, it is really cool. They have a volcano that blows like every five to fifteen minutes in the morning hours. Yeah. An ash volcano, and you hear and feel it. Like it's crazy. There's like nine volcanoes in the area, and they're like just boom, boom. yeah, like, just constantly. This whole world's gonna explode. I mean, it, yeah. Um, um, well, but I, I think a lot of times those those kind of tours are are not built for maybe even somebody like me. Like I I, I would tend to want to just go do the ride, right? Like that's how I would want to. I think you're probably similar. Totally. Versus and, the yeah. other people who they want to ride a little bit, they want to stop, and they want their pictures for their Facebook, and you know. And that's what it was. It was yeah. a lot of. And there's nothing wrong with that. No. And so yeah. to be clear, like, hey, experience it how you experience it. So we would like ride a segment that was maybe three or four minutes and then stop and everyone crowds up and then ride a segment three or four minutes, stop and everyone crowds up. And not setting mileage records. Right. <laughs> um, over the course of the five days we rode, we did ride 85 miles. Um, each day had like a couple of thousand feet of climbing, but like four to 7,000 feet of descending, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. And for a bike vacation, that's a good ratio. Yeah. And, uh, the guide, his name's Brendan, like I said, Brendan James, and he's a stud. Like, that guy can ride some technical. Because when he says mountain biking in Guatemala, understand that what they call mountain bike trails and what we call mountain bike trails, totally different. <laughs> like, I've since I've been back, I've gone and ridden Apex, and I've ridden Deer Creek, and I'm like, man, these things seem like... They're groomed. Like Disneyland groomed, built, yeah. manufactured mountain bike. We were riding hundreds of year old Mayan footpaths Yeah. that yes, you can take a bike down them, but did I tell you what him and I were the only two riding a lot of those segments because it was and the only reason I'm riding it was because I was on his wheel and I was like, whatever he does, I'm going to do Just follow it, bro. There were several times when I was riding above my skill level. Like I was riding down stuff where I'm like, I'm, I'm in control only because I'm still on the bike and the bike happens to be going in the same direction that yeah. I want to go. Which is a testament to, you know, the philosophy of let the bike work. Dude, you let the, the Orbea Rayon can do some work. Yep. And I just let it hammer. And uh, we got some cool stuff. You go to our, the No Rider on YouTube channel. No one's going to want to watch yeah. two hours and 45 minutes straight. But it's two hours and 45 minutes of point of view riding. Mostly downhill. Mostly downhill. And um, you even did some of that, um, the one uh, Instagram post you made was that urban downhill Dude. stuff that you see pretty much only on YouTube TV or you uh, see Red, on, like, Red, Red Bull, Bull TV. TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah you sorry. see the competitions on Red Bull where they're hitting like booters out of a window, landing in an alleyway, <laughs> Down dropping stair stairs. Gap. <laughs> but, yeah, stair gap. And so that's straight up what we did. Dude. A steep-ass, tiny sidewalk little town yeah. – and you know you're flying on, then a dog jumps out at you, or a kid jumps out at you. Like 800 millimeter bars are not the order of the day. 
dude, it was insane. And we're going down, and I was just like, oh, that's what I was thinking about was Red Bull TV. I'm like, yeah. this is it. Like, it's the only place this. you see it. You yeah. don't see normal people being <laughs> no. like, I'm gonna go rip ass down a. It was so a, sick. A Guatemalan city. It's actually an established route in Guatemala. Is it really? Yeah, it's like a, in, so they pe- people there would know to look for bikes. Not that thing. it would be like they know bikes come down here, but not on a daily occurrence where they're right. always looking for bikes. Right. Okay. So, be, you know, when we rip down past a lady hanging up her laundry and like my handlebar grazes her towels, she's like, "Yeah, That's, this is going to happen." Right. But she's not always looking for it. Type okay. Of so, Brendan told us he's like, "The first time I ever rode this trail." And I go, what do you mean trail? I'm like, dude, I feel like we went down like a, a riverbed and then we went through a field of like coffee and then we went through a field of broccoli, which I've never been in a field of broccoli. Um, I thought you were being silly. No, I was really like in a field a of broccoli. legitimately a field of broccoli. Okay. Um, I'll pass by these kids flying kites with their cows and their goats. And the next thing you know, I'm in his town. Like, this isn't real. He's like, no, dude, this is not only a route. It was the first year I moved down here. The first XC race I did was like a 60 miler. And that was the last five miles. He's like, so not only do we ride this, we raced this. So hundreds of XC dudes hammering through this trail. And I'm like, that sounds like carnage. He's like, oh yeah. So I looked up videos, people just balling it up on cobblestone streets and just carnage. Yeah, I bet. So you get cooking because it's steep, right? I mean, I didn't pedal once. I'm pulling brake that whole time and still sending it fast. Uh, so the whole trip, you know, we got, we got to see all kinds of stuff really focused on the villages and the community and typical food. Like we didn't do any of the tourist in the sense of going to tourist heavy spots. We went and got into it, you know, um, went to fields and got fruit from fresh harvests that was being harvested now. Like it was very, very, um, authentic in what he was trying to to show us. Nice. And I got a real appreciation for the Guatemalan culture and also for what he's trying to do down there. And then I guess to like bring it back to what we do, racing's one thing, but there is this whole other realm of like adventuring through the bike that was just as impactful. And uh, I couldn't convince anyone more. If you see an opportunity like this, go Go somewhere and and do something with your bike. Let your bike be your tool. I felt like that's how we tour. We got to tour the country doing enduro-style mountain biking. How much better is that than being on Segways or in like a double-decker bus? Um, And so I think mountain bike tourism is something that is going to become like a yearly occurrence for me. To be able to let go of the race and the training and like all the tension around that and expectation and say, just go adventure on the bike – it made me fall in love with my Orbea again and riding in baggy clothes. Yeah. yeah there's not, it's both are good. <laughs> no, both, both are good. <laughs> they are. Um, well, that's awesome, man. It sounds like a good trip. And some of the pictures, especially that day of the dead, uh, celebration. Oh, dude, the kite festival. It's yeah. just to me, I've met like Mayan families that do these handmade kites that are 30 feet tall and then they fly. And it's just yeah, a world unbeknownst to anything that I had ever done. And that's, with having traveled a lot in yeah, you've done a decent bit of bike Central travel. America and yeah. in Latin America. And, and I told the guy that, and as I said goodbye to him on the last day, cause we got into a separate van and got taken to Guatemala city. As I said goodbye to him, he looked at me like with like a cheeky little smile and he's like, it's not Costa Rica, is it? Cause I kept, you know, my right. background was like, oh, I've been to Costa Rica and yep. i three times. Blah. And I looked at him I'm like, no dude, not Costa Rica. And I don't mean that in Costa Rica is not cool. It's different. 
But this was, Abby and I were there. Brendan's an American as the guide, owns the company. Uh, two guys from Alberta, Canada, one guy from BC, one guy from Peru, the other guys from Guatemala. We saw no other Americans the entire trip. Like, Guatemala's untapped, dude. It is yeah. rugged, untapped country. Mm. Freaking cool, man. Real cool. Nice. Again, Brendan, those are not mountain bike trails. Right. Those are definitely footpaths. <laughs> it's mountain but, bike trail if you ride a mountain bike on it. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that that was that. Um, so October was crazy, dude. And I didn't mean to steal so much of our time on air today about that, but you know, finishing a national series for third year in a row, like really feeling like I have arrived on that scene, uh, and then bringing our team to that and watching how many of our team, mind you. I did NUE with Uncle Mental. That's how this all started three mm. years ago. And now look at where we have this huge team presence and it's going to continue into next season. Yeah, there's guys who are, that's on their, their that's, that's what they're marked, going for, right? Yeah. yeah. So really cool to see that growth and that development at the beginning of the month and then to hit a milestone for me that it's going to be, some, it's going to be something I remember for the rest of my life um, because it's going to be on every jersey I own from here till yeah. forever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then... To finish with this cool trip and experience in a whole nother culture with the bike, I was like, man, October was insane. It was jam-packed. And then? <laughs> and then? <laughs> so two days after nationals, I hop a flight to Guatemala. Two days after getting back from Guatemala, we hop in the van Dude, for Austin, Texas. So it's hilarious. <laughs> Molly calls you, basically you and Colin are my other wives. Right. Right. Um. It's hilarious to me. I think I've mentioned this times, uh, countless times before. The number of people that ask me what your schedule is. <laughs> I don't know. You have his fucking phone number. Text him. <laughs> but when uh, when you told me, what did I have to get to you? Oh, my, I, I my had bike, your, your my bike. Norco. Yeah, you left your bike here for me to take care of the brakes because apparently I'm the brake whisperer. You are. Listen, <laughs> you are the brake whisperer. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody have I met on this planet that makes the brakes work. Like guys do so, the dude who owns Bear Valley Bikes, super cool dude. He has all these little tricks, like crazy weird tricks. Yeah. But you know what? The shit tricks didn't work. The brakes sucked. Okay? Right. <laughs> Mo told me I needed new brakes. <laughs> Mo, I love you to death, bro. But like just because it's going to be all jacked up doesn't yeah. mean the answer is new brakes. Yeah. All right. And then you've made, they're perfect. But I don't need anything new. So here, here's what I'll tell you is that I can tolerate almost any other part of my bike being out of adjustment except for my brakes. Yeah. See, I take full advantage of that. That's fine. I, I, <laughs> I can live with it. Um, but yeah, you, dude, you had – because you flew in, basically drove from the airport to my house near as I can tell. I did drive from the airport to your house. Uh, picked up your bike. I just gave you the garage code. Yep. And then you got back on the road. That same night. Did you even see the inside of your house? Yes, I landed at 1.30 <laughs> at DIA. At 2.30, we were 2.15. After we got the bikes, we were driving towards our house. I had to pick up my motorbike from the, from the shop. Got in Abby's car, drove to your house. Drove to Whole Foods. Got groceries. Drove back to my house. Went inside. Grabbed the bag that was already packed for race week. Had dinner with Abby and her dad, got in the van, drove away. Yeah. Dude, it was, I was on the road by 7 p.m. Uh, that night towards Wednesday Austin. Night. Wednesday night. Yeah. Yeah. So we decided, it's so funny. I think it was Shane 
started it. This this I'm gonna go. Oh, to the Austin. only reason we went to Austin was because of Shane. Yeah. So Shane had unfinished business with Leadville. Needed a coin. Needed a coin. But beyond needing a coin. Yeah, a little monkey on his back. Well, it's nice to know how like I know what makes you tick. And so I can understand what needs to be done when things need to be done. And for Shane, what needed to be done was Hey, I know Leadville was not what you wanted it to be. Not because he wasn't prepared. Not because he, he, wasn't fit. he had a bad mechanic. He blew a wheel up. Yeah. Right. And so, um, but the only way to get past that is not talking it out and working through. It's action oriented. What are we going to do? We're going to Austin Rattler. He's like, I'm in. So, I had no reason to go to Austin. I had zero reason. <laughs> so, so most of the team. I have never lined up at a race where I'm just like, I don't even know why the fuck I'm doing this. <laughs> this never happened, dude. Yeah, no, you had no reason to be there. None. No. Zero. No, neither did I. Neither did uh, Bennett. Neither did Elander. Neither did uh, Kevin May or Rick Whipple. Alex Rock. Like, Alex Rock. Dude, like, we rolled down with a huge crew. We only went and down. And only one dude had an agenda. Yeah. <laughs> but that, isn't that a team? I mean, it is, for How sure. Cool I mean, that? that's super ride or die. And, and I don't think that everyone understood, oh, we're here because Shane's twisted that he didn't get no bill time that he wanted. No. It was just... Hey, Shane's going, and I'm going. Who else wants to go? Well, no one else has anything going on in November. Nothing. So, how cool. We all just rallied. Dude, rallied hard. Yeah. Um, That was a big deal for me to stay on the training for an event that didn't move the needle for me one bit. You know, Harley, what's happening is... What you set out to have happen when we recorded that episode <laughs> in my house that was empty because yeah, I was moving out moving, of it. Yeah. And you said, I'm going to be a racer. Uh, you have been so event oriented, like for your carrot for years. Yeah. And even into the beginning of this year. Mm-hmm. But you're always going to train now. Yeah. Like yeah. you just, you really are. You're always yeah. I, if finishing first place or last place in my age group meant nothing to my goals this year. Right. But I just, I stayed on it, right? You stayed on it. And you're going to now because the other side of the coin, now if if you went back to um, an off season, mm-hmm. you'd be as itchy as I was on that Tuesday before Nationals. <laughs> totally. You know? Um, so Austin Ryler, um, I didn't know that they moved the venue so I've I've known a couple of people who have done. I know you, you know you and Eric did it back in 2018. Um, Roger um, from the Breck Epic year, he did it in 2017. Um, and basically, I just heard nothing good really about the course. Yeah. Um, blown away does not cover how impressed I was with the terrain and the course out there. You know, it's this is something you learned twice because it in- wasn't the same venue. Right, it was different yeah, venue. Different but venue. You've learned this twice in sixty days. You've learned that areas yeah. that are not typical mountain bike. Play, like I'm going to Colorado, probably going to be good mountain biking. Yeah. I'm going to Nebraska. We talked about it on the last yeah. episode a little bit. Yeah, like I'm going to some Reveille Peak Ranch outside of Austin. If there are mountain bike trails somewhere, whoever built them probably got pretty resourceful, and they're probably more interesting than you think. Yep. But that Rattler course was sweet. It was so good. It was so good. I mean, I was literally riding up 
the so the the course to me had like two distinct sides. Uh, the the front half had twisty, kind of more loamy, yeah, like forest rocky, riding, forest yeah. riding trees. Um, and then the backside was these huge slab rock bluffs. I ran behind a guy, and I just couldn't contain myself. Like we're racing, I was riding at a hard pace, but I'm riding behind this guy, and uh, I'm like, "These trails are so good." <laughs> and he goes, "Where are you from?" Colorado. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, he was were. surprised that I thought that they were as good as they were, and it it, it is. A really good course. It's proper mountain biking. It's proper mountain biking the whole time. Yeah, and engaging the whole time. And you know, I was on the single speed, and was able to ride every bit of it. And I and I only say that because it lets you know that it's going to be a. It, if I can ride the whole course without ever having to get off, mm-hmm. then if you're not on a single speed, it's going to have enough flow and momentum that you're going to just be in the race, in the ride the whole time. Yeah. There was no long slogs up Mm-mm. or down. You know? No, the longest climb was two miles, but it didn't climb more than like 400 feet. Yeah, there was, there was like, that was a, as a matter of fact, that was the spot where I lost, Bennett got away from me and I couldn't bridge because I just didn't have the gear. Yeah, because he could probably ride it in a, I mean, that was a yeah. good climb for carrying a lot of speed. Yeah, you could hammer through it and I yeah. was just spun out. Um, but dude, hell of a fun course. Uh, kept you on your toes. I thought it was going to be, you know, we, me and races with laps in them. Right. Uh, <laughs> Hate the laps. <laughs> Don't like the laps. Uh, but I thought I, I thought I was going to struggle with focus, and I didn't. I, I really thought I was going to, because that's what happened. I feel like that's what always happened to me out at the uh, the rampage course down in Castle Rock. Right. I was just like, all right, another fucking turn, another fucking turn, another fucking turn. Like I always felt like I just got over it at a certain point, and it was just like, all right, I just got to finish it. Yeah. And this was built in such a way that it stayed engaging in a really positive way. Yeah. And I also think that there was, while we were just out in this big, like open ranch land area, there were some like cool views. Like, there was the, cows. <laughs> there on course, on course. That's what I mean. Like on yeah. course. And yeah. it was beautiful. It was stunning in the temperature. Like it had been windy the days before, and but, hot. but there was no wind. It was manageable temp. It was, it was almost perfect. Could not have asked for a better race day. Right. Could not have asked for a better race day. And I think that that goes through the finish. You know, everyone across the board had a freaking awesome race. Yeah, yeah. You know, everyone felt good about it. The spirits were high. The hangout was high. Elander blew up another wheel. With the exception of Elander <laughs> blew up another wheel. Uh, and then but grabbed a different bike. just grabbed it. D- and blew up that wheel. It blew up the tire. I don't care. <laughs> Hands part of the ball. Like the tire. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I mean, you know what Not he's wrong. Gonna, He's going back. Solid rubber tires. We need to get to the mountain bike museum and get some solid rubber tires. I just tires. think he needs aluminum rims, man. <laughs> Dude, so. But no, ever. I mean, man, it was Bennett, top yep. box. Yep, you won your category. I won single speed. Um, Top tens for everyone in their age groups. Yep. You know, like. Just remarkable, remarkable time. You know, Boomy, Colin Donovan throwing down 21st overall, sub five. Dude, he was, he looks like he's exercising a demon out of his soul. 
Bro, did you see the picture of him coming through the finish line? <laughs> he was like contorted he was, like, and yeah, twit like the way he was like leaning down on my bro like, scoliosis. Much? Are you broken? Like no, he was. But just he leaves it all out there, every raging time. on the bike. And yeah. dude, look, you know I'm a realist. There, there's like there's certain people on our team. When I'm racing single speed, they're going to beat me by X amount of time. Mm-hmm. Like Chad, you're always going to beat me by 20 minutes on a marathon style course, mm-hmm. right? Um, I only beat Colin by 20 minutes, right? And I was like. I was surprised when he came through the finish line. I was shocked. I had just rinsed my bike and my left piss shoe off. Um, and, <laughs> and he came through already, and I'm like, holy crap. I was blown away. I'm not going to out anybody here, but one of our teammates was telling a story of pissing there because it's that course, right? Like, it's not, there's no, if you're racing for a spot, a corral position or whatever, like, there's no, long climb where you can make it up or chase somebody down. Like yeah. it, it's, it's just not that. Yeah. Um, and they're, they pissed their bibs and another race was like, Oh, your bottle's leaking. And he's like, that's not my bottle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had a kid on that race, another young kid, teenager. He was the, he's the Texas state champion. Uh-huh. Um, and he rode the whole race with me. Kids yeah. freaking awesome, dude. Like, for as much as I don't understand the younger generation, like I just feel like their drive is different. Yeah. They just they have like some some things about them that I just don't quite. Like, I don't have TikTok. Okay, I, like, I there's you. just certain things I don't get about them. Um, and most of it, you know, it's coming from like old man position where I'm like, well, this is how we do. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> but one of the things that I'm realizing these younger dudes, they have the ones that are positive. Yeah. It's like an it's just a bottomless well of positivity. And I had this kid, you know, he's a teen, and he rode my wheel the whole time. Um, at one point I missed a turn and so I came and I came back on and he was right next to me. He's like, dude, you go in front, I like your pace. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. So we literally rode the whole race together. Um until his flat on the last lap, like in the last five miles, he got a big flat. And uh he had crashed on the race. He got a flat on the race. Like, you know, he had had some, and he just stayed positive the whole, like a, a bottomless well of positivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, consequently, when he blew his tire and fell off my wheel, uh, noticeable drop in my speed and my output. Like, he was keeping me so yeah, honest. Yeah, keeping you honest. Um, um, dude, there's a lot of flats out there, too. Flat tires. Flat tires. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was people that, uh, so I started mid pack and second corral and there was people in my group that had flats in this first single track. Oh yeah. I had a guy right in front of me first single track and not only did he flat and you know, they're flattened because you're, you hit a, you're striking a rock and you hit it the wrong way. Yeah. Right. And so he flats. And there's a shitload of goat heads out there. Yeah. Uh, most of what I saw were rock strikes. People yeah. just not being aware of it. this dude right in front of me. Rock strikes. I hear, it. I hear yeah. it. Like he blows, and but he's refusing to get off because like you're one of the top, we're at the front of the race, right? Yeah. And I'm like, bro, you're out. Yeah. And he's like, still pedaling. I'm like, dude, like, no, I'm not. You're off it. <laughs> and he done. finally pulls it. Like his wheels flat. I'm yeah. like, bro, you're off it. Yeah. There was carnage. Carnage. And it was. Flats. It stayed the whole day. Yeah. Um, I uh, un uncharacteristically for me. Um, if it was a flat, I didn't even ask people if they had everything they needed. I, there was, there was one dude who was off the side of the trail with like his shirt off. Like he looked like he I was saw the guy with the shirt off. I was like, who takes their clothes off to change a tire? The poor guy 
I I saw his like on the side show the shirt off. I was like, "Are you okay?" He's like, "Yeah, man. I've just been here for thirty minutes. I'm just like trying to figure out. This is the first time I've ever changed a flat." And I was like, "Well, that's just a little bit too big of a shit show for me to get involved in." Right, right, right. <laughs> so if he's physically okay, and and that course you're never more than a few miles from the start. Maybe as, not as the though. Course. You don't know how to find it. You don't know how to find it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and it was the second lap, so you know it was whatever. Um, I felt okay not stopping yeah. to help him, but yeah, if you were like, there was one guy who was like leaned over his bike, like the bike was on the side and it looked like he was like hurt or like, so those were the people that I would check with, but there were so many flat tires. You just got to roll. You, you just got to roll. Yeah. I mean, you can't be out there. First you off, can't be neutral support. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you brought enough to take care of your own. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that's. Well, but I've been that guy too. I mean, firecracker this year, hand up on the side of the trail, begging for a CO2. You get yeah. it at Breck right. Epic. Like, totally. You kind of got to keep that karma glass full a little bit too. The dude with the shirt off though, I I won't forget that because I was really thrown off. I'm like, man, the muff. I mean, it was on yeah, one of the rock took slabs. all his clothes off dude. to change. Time I mean, he's just time. in the bald ass sun during the hot part of the day. No <laughs> tree. Just uh, monkey fucking attire back together. I love how you <laughs> used him as an example because it's a stark memory. I, I could draw him if I was a better artist. I passed him because I just chuckled. I'm like, yeah. oh, fuck, took his shirt off. Uh, so I got to say this. For me, in the interest of having something to do that is fun and engaging in the fall when the weather can potentially be getting bad in Colorado, that might stay on the list. There is an advantage that these November and December races have. Um, that's it. That's the advantage. There aren't a lot of events. Yeah. And so if you can have a reliable event. And it's really good. As long as they leave it at that park. Yeah. Dude, I'm in. I'm in on doing that. I'm in on doing that. And I don't even care about the Leadville coin. I don't give a shit. Purpose of it. Everybody was like, did you put your, did you get a coin? I was like, no, I didn't get one. They're like, are you bummed? I was like, I mean, eh. But I, I still put my name in, I still put my number in the raffle. I uh, I really faced a hard decision yesterday you don't say no to the coin that's the if you if if you've listened to this episode or to this podcast for many seasons you'll know i am one for hard rules i love hard rules like just have a hard if i'm going slower than three miles an hour on my single speed i walk period like just yeah, hard rules stop. Yep. right i eat bonds of pasta that's just a hard yeah. rule right um you never turn down the coin never turn it down it makes no sense that i signed up zero especially with one of your goals next year no, yeah, I'm already registered for Breck Epic, and I'm going to wear the Nationals jersey. I'm gonna, and I'm going to, I'm going to attempt to win that race. That's yeah. what my purpose is. Yeah. So Leadville the day before is a terrible idea. Worst idea. As per I showed this year, and and I didn't want the coin because I don't want to do Lead Epic. You don't want to do Lead Epic, right? But if I had gotten the fucking coin, because that was the thing this year they said or this race they said the coin had to be for 23, no 24 deferral. So, stand on the podium. They offer the coin. I already know <laughs> I'm taking it, but I'm going to try to manufacture this into 24. Yeah. Right? And so, uh, I get the email, and the people, the powers that be at Leadville are all attached to it, and I know them. And, you know, having done Leadville as a single speeder and as a tandem rider, like, you know, they recognized who I was. So, I was trying to play the cool card. I'm like, yo, so, so-and-so, how about pushing this to 24? And it was just a hard no. No, this is 23 only. And you have to be registered by tonight if you're going to use the code. And I was like, ugh. 
you have you always yeah. take the coin. Yeah, yeah. So I'm registered. So you're registered. Um, speaking of taking the coin, we've talked a lot about integrity. Not a lot, but we talked. We've mentioned it a couple of times. There's another guy at the Austin Rattler. He listens to the podcast. His name's Mike. Uh, he approached me before the start of the race by walking up behind me and saying, oh, there's the guys who talk shit about Texas. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he said that same thing to me too. Uh, uh, which I don't feel like we talk that much shit about Texas. I mean, uh, not any more than like standard Colorado versus right, Texas. It's a Colorado, shit. Texas thing. Yeah, we like, say the same shit about California too. Yeah, but uh, like we do say more about Texas because y'all are just, you are what you are. Yeah. I, I'm like double-edged because I got Louisiana and Colorado. Oh yes, you like, hate him from both sides. Yeah, I've got like yeah. Um, but he put his name in the raffle, and he got a coin, but he DNF'd, and I caught it, and just kind of like let it slide, like whatever, right? Right. Um, you don't have a sheriff's badge, right? I'm not the race marshal. I'm not in charge right. of anything. Uh, the next day, driving back, I get a me- we get a message on no ride around. I effed up. I didn't realize, like, I read the rules. I didn't realize. Um, and so he's, not only did he fess up on it, and uh, he's also actively working to help us get the coin to one of our teammates who really wants it. So just wanted to acknowledge the uh, the stellar behavior. Yeah. Um, there are good people out there. Yeah, they are. And they mostly race, race bikes. <laughs> they mostly race bikes. Uh, and, and we get to know them. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. Yeah. I'll talk 5% less shit about Texas now. I mean, I'm going to talk the same amount of shit about Texas. <laughs> he just happens to be super cool because yeah. knowing his story, he actually grew up in Colorado yeah. and then moved to Texas. Yeah. So he actually talked shit about himself for the first many years of his yeah. life. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah. Uh, but all told, Austin Rattler's awesome. I might even propose that Austin Rattler next year is the official season ender for the team. I'll tell you what, when I did that in 18, we got done with the race, and uh, I rode Colorado Bend State Park the next day, and then we were heading back, and we were going to break it up, and decided we're just going to do it in a full pole, and it was terrible, it was disgusting, it was such a gross, long drive, we got home like three in the morning, four Mm. in the morning, and I vowed, I'm like, I'm never driving to Austin again, Um, (laughs) yeah, instead... So when we left on Sunday, rode for about an hour and a half at Spider Mountain Park, uh, bike park, which is super sweet, lift access park, and started driving. And you had already left. Yeah. I figured I'd drive like most of the way. We left at six. Way. We were on the road at six. I was wondering how, what time you left. You six. just had to get going because it's it's a 14-hour drive. Dude, we woke up and we were gone at six. I was at my house at eight. Dude, I got to my house at 11.08 because I started driving and I'm like, I mean, I'm kind of motivated Let's see how far this can go. Yeah, I'm not proud of the songs that I sang. I'm not proud of the way that I sang the songs. Survival, man. Sometimes you have to piss your bibs. (laughs) I'm not proud of the carbonated beverages that I drink. Yeah, but I made that some bitch. Yeah, it's a drive. It is. It's a haul. I would have liked one more day. Yeah, you know, stopped in like at Palo Duro Canyon, or just one more day there. Right. Yeah. Just to break it up. So anyway, I would. I will to all of our teammates who are listening right now. I will propose to everybody that next year there's great camping, great riding, mediocre food. Although the Thai restaurant was good. Um, that next year is our, our season season ender for the team as an event. I can get around this. I can get all the way around this. Yeah. 
I think it's cool. Well, October was huge. We got. I'm gonna call it the end of my individual season. Yeah, me too. You call it, it's the end of your individual yeah. season. Um, and I had I, I I loved how I did at Austin. Like I was so dude, happy with that. You raced a bike race beginning to end, and had no dark moments. None. At least from what I could see. No, uh, the the end was hard. My body was hurting just for the effort and the consistency. I had one of my big goals was to really have the smallest amount of smallest delta between ride time. That was my only goal for that race is to make sure that I had a, the tiniest delta between ride time and uh, moving time. Right. And I had like six minutes sounds like a lot. It is kind of if I was chasing a win, but six minutes for me, I stopped for one piss and then I stopped for bottles twice. Yeah. And to take off my vest. Like that was my big goal was just the most consistent moving time I could have relative to my racers or my finish time. You know, we so often look at the heart rate to indicate so many things. And mm-hmm. for you, you stayed in a race mode mm-hmm. the whole time mm-hmm. and didn't have that like typical tail off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's where you are right now. You can go and do a 60 mile race and it's not, that was another the biggest thing of yeah, the year. No. It's just, it's just a thing. I'm going to go did. pop a 60 mile race. Yeah. Yeah. Like you do training efforts longer than that. On the regular. Pretty routinely. Yeah. yeah. So, uh-huh. I mean, you're in that, you're in the upper tier. Yeah, now. I'm there. It's, it's now you just awesome. got to find those next stepping stones to progression. Um, but yeah, so culmination of individual season, but we do have Dawn to Dusk. Yep. We got one more event, team event. It's going to be super fun. Yep. Um, that's going to be one of those that the weekend is going to be a blast and we're going to also happen to do a bike race. Yeah. yeah it's gonna be that's how it's going to feel. Yep. Yeah. It's be a ball of fun. Super excited for all that. Um, that's all I got, man. And until then, I'm going to put the American flag on basically everything that I own. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have an American flag Speedo on right now? Uh, well, I'm in jeans, <laughs> so there's no Speedo, my friend. Oh, okay. Raw dogging it over there. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, see you. You're weak!